That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Wax on. Wax on. Feel the rhythm! Feel the rhyme! Get on up! It's bubbly time! Hello and welcome to the World Be Pod, the 32 Fans Podcast, where we discuss all things movies, past, present, and occasionally future. My name is Sammy Chester. And I'm Av Sedensky. And today, the episode you've been waiting for, the first installment of our Sports Movies Tournament of Champions. Over the last 10 months, we've watched hundreds of sports movies in individual brackets, sorted by sport, waiting for this big March bracket and... Today, we are going to start the process of knocking down the 64 into 16. Divided the 64 movies in the tournament into four individual brackets. Each of them, of course, has 16 movies. And this one is the Bombay region. Helping us to delve into Bombay, which obviously comes from a Minnesota movie of yore, is a very special guest. He's the host of our Big Brother podcast, 32 Fans. He's also the big brother of one of us, and that, of course, is Alex Chester. Alexander, thank you so much for joining us. This is your first time, I think, on a brother podcast of 32 Fans. Is that true? Are there other brother podcasts that I don't know about? It depends on <laughs> how we classify. I need to see Oz that family expanding. tree. This is like an episode of Maury. <laughs> yeah. I need a blood test, maybe a urine sample. Were you inspired by Keeve joining us a few weeks ago? Yes, I was immensely jealous of him, and I had to uh, even up the playing field at one apiece. The Chester brothers don't discuss podcasts, so this is a purely on-air affair. Alexander, is it fair to say the biggest sports fan of the three of us right now, of, of myself and you? I mean, I'm probably the most obsessive, and I use that word as a pejorative because I think it's probably more negative than a positive. But I wouldn't say I'm as bad as uh, the character in Kirby Enthusiasm, who uh, couldn't suffer anymore and uh, ended it because of the Jets last week. But I think that, you know, fan comes from fanatic for a reason. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. But yeah, I'm probably a little more obsessive than you guys. Certainly in me, and I would guess Av as, as a reasonable fellow, um, he doesn't take his obsession the same lengths, except for the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. Yeah, I certainly used to. I've definitely lit, like lowered my sports fandom over the last few years. Um, there may or may not be a direct correlation to the realization that all of my teams suck all the time <laughs> in that calculation. But it's, you know, I, I try not to get too bent out of shape anymore. But I'm curious about how much have sports movies shaped in any way now or in the past, your relationship to sports? Like for instance, did a movie like Mighty Ducks or The Sandlot, was that somewhat your entry into your relationship to hockey or baseball in any sense? I definitely spoke about on the, on the baseball episode we did, the way that Field of Dreams just like came out at like the perfect moment in my life where I was a seven-year-old boy who was just becoming obsessed with baseball, a babysitter who was brought over Field of Dreams and we watched it together like four Saturday nights in a row. The perfect movie at the perfect time in my sports development that just made me fall in love with like baseball and baseball history and like the aura and mystique of sports in a way that I think for sure has played a role. For me, it was being interested in the sports first, which drew me to the sports movie and not the reverse. There isn't a single sport movie that you can think of from your past, your childhood. I mean, you were seeing 
you know, you saw a movie like Sandlot, what, after you had already done a number of well, years? I was, I was about to bring up The Sandlot. So The Sandlot was probably my favorite sports movie and one of my favorite movies as a kid. But it's because I, it, was, it was about baseball, which was already a topic I really liked. What I'm trying to think about is sports that I didn't necessarily like as much. And maybe seeing a movie about that sport would have piqued my interest in that sport a little bit because, you know, sometimes you see a movie about a topic and then it, you know, draws your interest in a topic you may not have had interest in before. I'm trying to think of an example like that. None comes to mind off the top of my head. There might be. Uh, I'm trying to think of hockey maybe as an example because I, I guess I would have been marginally more interested in Olympic-style hockey after seeing the Mighty Ducks 2, maybe. For me, it was definitely the, the movies following the sports in terms of... Happy Gilmore didn't uh, get you a little bit more interested in uh, sort of golf? Much like the fans in uh, the movie itself, a Happy Gilmore-type character may have drawn me into golf because what interested me in golf was not the the Shooter McGavins of the world, but it was the Happy Gilmores of the world, and there's only a Happy Gilmore in the movie Happy Gilmore, not in real golf. So Both Happy Gilmore and Teen Cup are in this region, and what's interesting about both of them came out in 1996. Tiger Woods would have already existed, how those movies might have been different, because those movies were sort of introducing golf to people that maybe yeah. otherwise weren't into the sport. But Happy Gilmore and Teen Cup, I would guess, had very different target audiences. And when they came out, I was smack in the middle of the Happy Gilmore target audience, and I was nowhere near the Teen Cup target audience. Is there a sports movie character you most identify with? You could go the easy way, I guess, Alexander, and say Coach Bombay from Mighty Ducks, <laughs> since you are in the Bombay region. But I don't know if it's someone from The Sandlot, from any of these other movies. It can be a documentary and then, I guess, a real life. If wow. anyone, it's probably Howard from Uncut Gems, and that doesn't reflect so well. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have to wait till, what is it, three months ago or two months ago? No, the answer would be Rowan Gartner from Rookie of the Year right? Probably is the right answer because everyone has the fantasy of being a kid who all of a sudden, you know, I was convinced that I still had an opportunity to play professional basketball slash baseball until probably about six months ago. The fantasy of a kid who's just a normal kid and then, you know, some, some freak physical occurrence leads him to become a professional caliber player. I would say that one was probably the one that I identified with the most just because, you know, that was the, that was like an achievable dream in, in some fantasy world, right? Yeah. The, the, even more so probably little big league is like actually possible. Mm -hmm. Obviously not really possible, but like, yeah. you know, it could happen. It never has and almost certainly never will. That's at least a plausible scenario compared to Rookie of the Year. So like that, that one always struck me as like, you know, this could happen. The stereotype that I'm sure you guys have heard as well is that statistically, if you're a young Jewish kid growing up in America in modern times, you're more likely to grow up to become the owner of a team than the player of a team. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. The agent. Yeah, so maybe Jerry Maguire. Maybe that's the answer. When you saw it way back then, were you identifying more with Tom Cruise or more with Tidwell? No, I identified with Renee Zellweger, actually. It's not, a, it's not a vote in anyone's favor. Today, as we said, we're doing the Bombay region, which is home to 16 movies. We seeded the movies based on how they formed in the single sports brackets that we've discussed over the last 10 months. Listeners can go check those out. So for instance, the top three movies in this region, Chariots of Fire, Brian's Song, and Slapshot, all were the number one in their respective sport. And that's how they have their high seeds. Alex and Olive will serve as the lead judge. We're gonna narrow down on today's episode, the region from 16 movies to four movies. So essentially, Alex is going to lead us through the first two rounds. Now, the way I've been doing brackets on 32 fans lately is, you know, whether it's cereal or beer or a song, you have to experience it live in that moment before you judge. So I assume we're going to be watching each of these movies to, to completion and then judging, right? Correct. This podcast is going to be 17 hours. Okay, good. All yeah. Right. No, Av and I already did that since we've already discussed all these movies in previous separate episodes. Yeah, but it's got to be fresh. It's got to be fresh. We will now pause and watch all the movies. Okay. We are here today to give thanks 
for the life of Harry Abrahams to honor the legend. Now there are just two of us who can close our eyes and remember those few young men with hope in our hearts and wings on our heels. I think it's my favorite place. One step at a time. Who told you that? Some old guy. No, I meant that for you, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they added a few more stuff. I don't know. Almost there. Right, I'm going to take these last two. Almost there. How you feeling? Oh, good. Really good. Hard enough, you can see your whole life from up here. How does it look? Not bad at all. And you? Not bad at all. So that was crazy that we just yeah. did that. I'm exhausted. Can I go to the bathroom or no? No, you cannot go to the bathroom while watching movies. That's an important part of uh, There Will Be Blood. The sound and fury of each movie will be inserted in. Let's jump to our very first matchup. Number one in the Bombay region, Chariots of Fire, came out in 1981. It's a racing movie, immediately against Ob's favorite, number 16, Rudy, which came out in 1993 and is, of course, a football movie. Alex, lead us off. Chariots, Rudy, 116. Who do you like and why? This is a tough one. I don't remember Chariots of Fire that well, to be honest. You know, it was the first movie we saw in the 16 movies we just saw in sequence over the previous, you know, 17 <laughs> hours. So I've seen a lot of movies since then, and my mind is a little fuzzy. I've always thought Rudy was overrated. Now, it's not. I'm glad Hoosiers is not in this region because I despise Hoosiers. I think it's a terrible, awful movie, and uh, it should not even be in this tournament. So I don't like hate Rudy that much, but I've always thought Rudy is overrated. The narrative I didn't love. I didn't love how they make Notre Dame coach. They make him look sort of like a jerk, and that wasn't true. And and I think Rudy ended up being like, a, didn't he get some kind of white-collar crime of some sort or something? I forget. I, I didn't really like how the characters were portrayed. Obviously, I didn't know that the first time I saw the movie. So I don't love Rudy, and I know, Sammy, obviously you love anything having to do with running. So you're, you're definitely going to root for Chariots of Fire. I'm going to lean very slightly towards Chariots of Fire, but I'm kind of shocked this is a 116. And if it is, I'm kind of shocked that Rudy's the 16 seed here. I don't know how our seating works either, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But I, I've learned over the last year not to argue about seating with a Chester. Rudy was the bottom-ranked football movie. It barely made it through the football bracket. The, like, four or five that made it in. Yeah, correct. I'm fine with that. I'm going to vote for Chariots of Fire, but I think it's very, very close. Chariots of Fire is a movie that I had not seen until pretty recently. I, uh, I did like a best picture binge before the Oscars this year where I went all the way back till about 1967 and now I've seen all of them. So that was the first time I saw Chariots of Fire. I liked parts of it and I found other parts of it to be really boring. Like I thought, I thought there were really stretches that I was not engaged at all, but there were definitely several scenes, like most of all that like first scene towards the beginning where he does like that trinity run around the college i thought was really fun the racing scenes i thought were pretty good but there's just like long stretches where like nothing really happens there's a lot of religious politics and like different things that i expected to like more than i did when i actually was sitting down and watching it my vote is obviously for rudy it's one of my favorite sports movies chariots of fire is a b-plus sports movie for me the highs are high but the lows were pretty low i think you can skip the first half of rudy and the movie is probably 
you know, that much better. But you can say that about a lot of the sports movies in that they'll have down periods and then they really just have to crescendo right at the yeah. right time. Rudy takes but, a long time to get going, for sure. Those scenes in, in, like, The Factory are a little, yeah. We're going to touch on that in the next matchup soon. Another classic sports movie that I rewatched and was surprised how long it took to get going. Chariots to Fire is going to advance... Unless you guys have something else on uh, The Departed Rudy. I spoke about it at length on the football pod. So yeah. anyone who wants to get my full thoughts on that. But, you know, there's just like so many things in this movie that really touched me. Like the, the score is phenomenal. Those classic scenes from Rudy, like every time I see it when it's on TV, you know, when they bring in the jerseys, it's all very sappy and saccharine. But for some reason, I like always get moved to tears when I see it. So it's every- definitely probably more watchable between these two movies. Like rewatchable. Oh, for sure. Oh, I strongly disagree. I think Chariots of Fire has so many themes that you can engage with. Well, yeah. to be fair, I say that because Rudy's always on TV and I haven't seen Chariots of Fire. Yeah, I can virtually guarantee that I will never watch Chariots of Fire again. Like, I feel like I have, like, you know, fulfilled my obligation to see it as the best picture winner and for this bracket. And maybe I'll watch the, you know, the opening scene of, like, them running to the amazing Chariots of Fire theme. But other than that, it's just, like, not something that really appeals to me for a second watch. Right to our next matchup, number eight, Rocky. Came out in 1976. Of course, it's a boxing movie. Against number nine, Bend It Like Beckham came out in 2002, and it is the female soccer movie. I like Bend It Like Beckham. It was a nice movie, but it's, it's sort of hard to compare it to Rocky. That's a little bit unfair. See, we have the most recent Rocky also at the bottom of this bracket. Rocky 1 is not the best Rocky. It's definitely very slow and very of its era, 1976 or whatever it is. The Rocky 2, Rocky 3 obviously get moving a little bit more, and you get more of sort of the, the Cold War feel, which heightens the... The drama more than you know some random boxer also you get more polo creed i think apollo creed is the most yes. exciting part of of the early rockies and he's not in the first movie enough very excited to hear live in person mispronunciations on this podcast <laughs> they barely say his name in the movie so i don't even know i rewatched Ap- apollo's rocky also word independent of this movie but anyhow that, that is fair that is fair i rewatched i rewatched rocky a few hours ago and i was amazed First off, how long it takes Creed to get into the movie and how slow the first half an hour of the movie is until he arrives. I mean, the first half an hour of the movie is Rocky sort of dragging himself around Philadelphia being depressed. And it doesn't, the movie really doesn't take off. It's really more of a character study than a sports movie. And it's like, it was very different yeah, from what I remembered. The other thing that just like completely shocked me, because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I rewatched it earlier this week for, for the purpose of this podcast. And I, I guess, I don't know if both of you saw recently, but if you remember, what date is this fight supposed to take place on? July 4th. Right, that's, what, July 4th. that's what you think, right? Because it's for the bicentennial. It's January 1st. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange that they that they scheduled this big bicentennial fight on the 200th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, except six months early on January 1st. So, you know, how about when they when the person backed out, they could have said, well, let's just push off the fight by six months to July 4th when it should have been to the, in the first place. The fighting in the movie is probably the worst part. There's not None that the many- punches connect. And there's not that many fighting scenes. Like there's that first one right at the very beginning where like Rocky's like still like fighting at like some like basement gym or something. I don't even know what that was. And then church, church, yeah, church. Okay. Jesus. Does he does he even have any pre- fights before he fights Creed? I don't think so. He's just training. He has no like practice fights or warm up fights or anything like that. So Nothing. there's really like not a ton of sports in this sports movie. It still is the most iconic sports movies in a lot of ways, just in terms of like the way it's beat, like set up all the archetypes of like an underdog story. It's so it certainly deserves a lot of credit for that. We took all the rankings of sports movies and just threw them together because we were curious what we'd find. And Rocky was in the top three, suffice to say. And it was number one on a lot of lists. 
I feel that, I mean, first off, my respect for those lists is pretty low. I feel most of the, the list makers haven't actually seen the movies like we have over the last nine hours now together. But how many people ranking Rocky number one have recently watched it, as like you and I have? Because I think if you sit down and you watch it today, you can still respect it, but it doesn't jump out as like, okay, this has to be number one. No, I agree with you very strongly, Sammy. And this is a, uh, an issue I have in general with lots of like movie rankings or, or TV show uh, episode rankings. Like, for example, when you look at rankings of Seinfeld episodes, for example, to mention a show that, you know, is dear, near and dear to some of our hearts. Um, the episodes with, with iconic titles are always going to be very high because when you say the contest, everybody knows what you're talking about. When you say the soup Nazi, everybody knows what you're talking about. But there's incredible, hilarious episodes that because the name is an iconic, you don't hear it and immediately think of like the specific narrative. So that's why a movie like Rocky or, or Rudy or you know, some of the other, like those movies are, just have an, an incredible advantage to people making their rankings online. But as you said, I don't really know if those people did the rankings the right way of watching each one of these movies consecutively and then really thinking which of these is a better movie. To a large extent, you're like measuring legacy when you make those lists. And the fact that Rocky has had, what, seven sequels now is obviously going to give it a lot of help. You know, it's just remained in the popular consciousness for 50 years now. Bendit has had at least one sequel that came out in 2019. Did it? I didn't even know that. Yeah, the, the movie that you oh, and, and that, one. that one, yeah. The Bruce Springsteen. Blinded by the Light is exactly the same movie as Bendit Like Beckham. Like, it's crazy. I might have been naive because I just assumed that David Beckham would be in this movie in like a substantial role from the title. And he has nothing to do with this movie other than a cameo and literally the last shot of the movie. Your votes are going both towards Rocky? I agree with Alex that like Rocky has become a bit overrated, but like Bendit Like Beckham was just like a totally forgettable movie in my opinion. Like, you know, it had its moments. There was good acting. It was... It, it made you feel good for a little bit, but there's really not that much there that's like memorable. See, wise though, it created essentially, I think, girls' soccer as a major trend. And uh, what's her name? Brandy Chastain, I think, who ripped her shirt off. Those are the two moments that are said to have galvanized Chastain. female Chastain. Yeah. That was 1999. That was years before. I mean, like, I think that the women, girls playing soccer in America had much more to do with that than this movie from another country that came out a decade and a half later. What do you mean? The movie came out in 2002. Like oh, really? Later. Yeah. Oh, oh so maybe yeah. I just didn't see it until like 2016, so. <laughs> Beckham is given a ton of credit. Let's quickly jump though to the next round where Chariots of Fire, the one seed, is gonna go against the number eight seed, Rocky. I actually think Rocky probably loses to either Rudy or Chariots of Fire. Rocky is very significant for sort of its cultural impact, but as a movie, as a sports movie, certainly it's 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 kind of slow and boring, and it's really it's really not much of a sports movie per se. It's not about the sport, as I've uh, aptly put it. It's a character study. And Chariots of Fire, in my head, is I don't know. I'm gonna vote for Chariots of Fire. I really need to rewatch both of these again. In each round, you got to rewatch each movie to to have it fresh. <laughs> so, but yeah. I'm gonna vote for Chariots of Fire here. Send it to T Sammy for the tiebreaker because I'll vote for Rocky. Despite it limitations, I think Chariots of Fire had more limitations. This is the first hard choice for me. I made a ranking of all, I think, what is it, 300 sports movies Av and I have watched over the last 10 months. And suffice to say, both of these are in the top 12, I believe. But one of them is certainly higher than the other. And I think it has a lot more there. I think it holds up a lot better. And therefore, I'm going to go with Chariots of Fire, which is going to go into the round of 16. Shocking Rocky, goodbye. Rocky, we're going to have to hope that Creed or another boxing movie at least can uh, pick up the slack. And let's jump to the next matchup. We have number five, John McEnroe, In the Realm of Perfection, a 2018 tennis documentary. And against number 12, Above the Rim, came out in 1994, the holy year for basketball movies. 2018 is actually when 
three tennis movies all came out. So you have the classic year for tennis movies, the classic year for basketball movies. John McEnroe in the Realm of Perfection was, I thought, like a really interesting documentary. It just like focuses on like the extent to which tennis is just this really technically precise art form almost more than you know, like a sport because it's all about mechanics and like just repeating the same motions over and over and over again. It had good thoughts about to what extent like McEnroe's famous outbursts were just performative and were ways that he would work the refs and throw his opponent off his game. It's like what extent he really is this like crazy maniac. So that was just like interesting to see that analyzed a little bit. Above the Rim, I had not seen until last week. I really did not like it. I think it really brought much to the table. I thought Tupac was very good as the drug dealer. I found the basketball scenes to be really lacking. I thought it's like a really cliche sports movie that didn't deliver much. Above the Rim is famous for how bad the basketball scenes are. <laughs> so uh, I agree with that. There's all these scenes where a guy gets the ball and then immediately in the next scene, he's doing something which he couldn't have possibly done. You know, there, there's no continuity, but Tupac is great. I had yeah. no idea he's a credible actor. He's playing like the drug dealer. He's like kind of related to the sports, but like he's not even really in the sports part of the movie that much. He's just the muscle that's kind of trying to be the bad angel on Kyle Watson's shoulder. Yeah. His brother, Shep, is just like a weird character that you don't really identify with him, even though he's supposed to be the good angel to the bad angel. I'll vote for the back row documentary. I don't know that everyone would love it. It's kind of cerebral and like not a ton happens, but I thought there were some scenes that I thought were like really cool. I'm gonna push above the rim into the next round. McEnroe went, I think, 82 and three in 1984, which is pretty much an impossible record by any standard in any sport. He lost three games, but really just one game that mattered uh, in the French Open final. And so that's why it's called in the realm of perfection. The movie wasn't perfect enough for me. I, I didn't like it. Above the rim is fun. Jump though right to our next matchup because as I've pointed out, it might be irrelevant who won the five and the 12, that's because the number four is Hoop Dreams, and it's going against Million Dollar Baby number 13. Hoop Dreams, of course, came out in 1994, and it's a documentary on basketball, and Million Dollar Baby came out in 2004. Three out of our four matchups so far have had Best Picture winners, which is pretty cool for sports movies. Yeah, but, but Hoop Dreams is notably not an Oscar winner. Alex, which way you're going? Hoop Dreams, Million Dollar Baby? Hoop Dreams, probably in hindsight, a little bit overrated. I mean, Siskel and Ebert went on and on about how it was like the greatest movie, greatest documentary ever. And it's probably a little bit, or more than a little bit too long. Also, the, the goal of all these guys is like their hero is Isaiah Thomas. You know, I think that hasn't aged so well because his, uh, his post-playing career obviously wasn't as great as his playing career. But you know, it is a very good documentary, more about inner city life and struggle than, than simply about basketball. Although obviously basketball sort of is this impossible to reach, but you know, seen as seemingly like the only opportunity to escape the ghetto for, for a lot of these kids. Million Dollar Baby was fine. I've never been the biggest fan of Clint Eastwood's um, you know, movies that he directs. There's nothing, honestly, about Million Dollar Baby that, that I thought was so evocative that I really remember, other than the fact that it was about a female boxer, which was a little bit unique. So to me, Hoop Dreams wins this one fairly easily. Yeah, I'll go with Hoop Dreams as well. I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Million Dollar Baby than you are. I am a, mostly an Eastwood fan for the most part, although I thought his movie for this past year was pretty terrible. The acting by all three leads, by uh, Morgan Freeman, Clint Eastwood, and Hilary Swank, I think are incredible in this movie. And it's just like a really strong, engaging sports movie. I think it's like a little strange that it won Best Picture, although I think that was a bit of a weak year. So, you know, who knows? Whereas Hoop Dreams is just like, it's a little bit too long, I think. And maybe not a little bit too long. It's probably like an hour too long, but it really gives you like so much depth. You get so much about these characters, the way they live, the way they're all pinning their lives on this tiny percentage chance of this working out for them. It's really like a heartbreaking movie. And it's really like a documentary that if you, I didn't see it until this year. It's like been on my short list to watch five years. And I finally got to see it this year. And it's really, really good. Great movies should have a certain rewatchable attraction to it. 
mentioned this earlier in terms of chariots and booty. And I'm, that's my one concern with hoop dreams. I'm not quite sure after the amazing impression it had on me the first time around, whether I'll be like, hey, let's all get together and watch three and a half hours hoop dreams again. That's the only knock I have against it. Yeah, it's definitely not something that I plan to rewatch anytime soon. A lot of that just is because of like how dispiriting it is to watch it. It's just like not a pleasant movie for large stretches. Like it's really builds up your attachment to these people, just knock down their dreams. It's like not something you want to experience over and over. So it's like not as fun as like a lot of these sports movies are about an underdog story about band of losers that wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's just not as you know a prescription for a fun time at the movies but it's just really so artfully made and well done that even though billy dollar baby is really good i think it has to be that hoop dreams is why this podcast exists i had seen it on a long long flight and immediately i got off the airplane and sent a message to the hosts of 32 fans my brother and keev and i was just gushing about hoop dreams when i saw it it just made an incredible impression on me and I was so motivated by that movie, essentially, that I both wanted to create a movie podcast and then also do a sports movie tournament. So Hoop Dreams is kind of why we're here. I don't know, Alexander, if you remember when I sent you that message. Yeah, it was like a year ago or something. We're nearing the year anniversary of this podcast, of, of There Will Be Pod. So there you go. So Hoop Dreams goes against above the rim right away. And I think all of us can say Hoop Dreams is, is crushing above the rim in the all-basketball second-round matchup. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's funny, these movies are kind of like corollaries to each other because like Above the Rim is about if, you know, the basketball player who can escape the, the crime and drugs of the inner city, putting his dreams on this shot of making it as a basketball player and Hoop Dreams is eh, not so fast. That's not usually how it works out. It's like more realistic and grounded in that way, but also not as fun. I prefer the world in which it ends with him at Georgetown than when it ends with him bust, you know, blowing out his knee and stuck in the life that he wanted to escape. Did you see the sequel uh, for Sammy? No, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, Hoop, um, I want to say reality, but that sounds made up. But it was something like that. I know that the two leads in Hoop Dreams did get certain royalties, which I think actually kind of messed with their Division Two basketball careers. Yeah, it's called uh, Hoop Reality. It came out in 2007. Patrick Beverly is oh, in yeah. it. yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, I saw that. Although I don't remember much about it, to be honest. It was depressing, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Sports Dream, sorry, Hoop Dream easily is going to wallop above the rim. Alex, we're not doing it now, but what would be your pick for the Hoop Dream Chariots of Fire face-off in the Sweet 16? Between Chariots of Fire and Hoop Dreams, that's a tough one. We're not doing it now, so I'm going to reserve my uh... – it's a private okay. ballot. Jumping to the bottom of the Bombay region. Our first golf movie, number six, Tin Cup, came out in 1996. And number 11, Moneyball, 2011, a baseball movie. Tin Cup, you got to say, it's the first entry into this tournament, the Tournament of Champions of director Ron Shelton and Kevin Costner, who are probably, oh, is this fair? Are they sort of the gold standard for director and actor of sports movies? Ron Shelton. White oh, Men so yeah, so he, he's definitely Bull the Durham. most uh, prolific. I don't, he's definitely not, I wouldn't say he's the best out of the directors that have done sports movies because as we talked about in the boxing region, that's just like littered with all-time great directors. But yeah, Ron Shelton no, is like all over sports movies and obviously Kevin Costner is in like half the sports movies. So yeah, it's a deadly combo seemingly for a sports movie. So this is their first entry and they will both be back uh, in case Tin Cup doesn't make it. It's up to you, Alex. Tin Cup, Moneyball, First yeah, Moneyball is, you know, a very, very, very good movie. So 
Tin Cup, I remember when it came out, and I again, it was, I was a little too young for it. Wasn't he wearing like a wife beater and like caressing whoever the female lead is in the movie? It looked Rene, like Rene Russo. Rene Russo. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really more of a rom com than a sports movie. The romance is the worst part of the movie. That's yeah, what it's very me. it's very bad. This the sports part isn't much better. There's just like some ridiculous scenes. Like he he like challenges people to play golf using lawn equipment or gardening equipment and beats them using like a rake. I, I don't know a lot about golf, but that seems not likely to me. When people remember Tin Cup, they remember the final scene. And that's the kind of classic part about the movie. And to me, that was maybe the redeeming part of the movie. I would just tell listeners, chase down the final scene, which you can find on YouTube. And that's fun. That's enjoyable. I mean, the yeah. context essentially is he's in the US Open and he has a chance to win if he plays conservative. And instead, he just decides to go for it, go for it, go for it. Yeah, it has a total meltdown, and that's and it somehow accrues yeah. to his benefit. <laughs> yeah, and he just has a complete meltdown, which is supposed to somewhat encapsulate the, the game of golf. Yeah, um, as money Moneyball, like we talked about on the baseball pod, that there are I have like criticisms of Moneyball that like are all grounded in the way that it distorts real life, which you know sometimes that bothers me more times than others. I think it bothered me more with Moneyball just because it was like things that happened for my lifetime that I was just like really familiar and aware of, and I was just this is not right, that's not true, they made that up. This is bullshit. Whereas in Rudy, it never bothered me if they changed things because like I wasn't like a fan of Notre Dame in the 1970s, 80s, whenever this took place. I didn't care. And Tin Cup. And you don't care what happens in the early 90s in golf. Yeah, certainly. I rewatched Moneyball without any of that expectations of what it was going to be. And it's just like, it's so good. It's so well written. Brad Pitt is so amazing. It's just so much fun. There's so many great scenes, so many quotable lines. It's a really, really good sports movie. Moneyball would get my vote as well, though I think we're all in agreement. The one thing to point about Tin Cup before we leave it, Kevin Costner was the number one choice to play Shooter McGavin in the other golf movie that came out in 1996. Oh, but wow. you know why he turned it down? He didn't want to be the bad guy. I think he also didn't want to be second fiddle to Adam Sandler. And I think Shooter McGavin is one of the great villains in all sports movies. He's definitely up there. Costner made a mistake. I don't know if he would have been good against Adam Sandler. That would have been fun. Let's get the first round that will be up against Moneyball. That's going to be number three Slapshot, which was the number one ranked hockey movie, we should say. It came out in 1977. 70s era feel to the movie. So it's a lot of crude humor and a dismal view of the world. And it's going up against Rush, which is a 2013 F1 racing. I just saw Rush for the first time. I had watched Slapshot for the first time back in whenever it was last year when we did that bracket. You may remember I wasn't like super high on Slapshot. I thought some of the other hockey movies were better. Disappointed to see it win, even though I know it's like a classic. Rush, I was like, really impressed by. I'm not a car racing fan at all, although I did go to one car race in my life. Really reminded me of it because it's just the visual of like these cars just zipping around at super speeds and like these beautiful cars. It's really it's just like captivating. It, you really understand why people get into it. There's just like a lot of emotional stakes in this movie. They really put you on both sides, these two characters, and you end up growing a fondness for both of them. You're very invested in who's gonna win. And visually a stunning movie, directed by Ron Howard. He makes really impressive movies. So it's good to see like real serious directors making these sports movies from time to time. How much would you say the MCU element to the cast in Rush? biases you to like the movie. <laughs> I don't think it does. Um, obviously it's Thor and then it's the villain from uh, Civil War. I think he's the villain in Civil War. Don't think that was a factor other than, you know, Hemsworth is just a ridiculously looking person, so. Alexander, if we tell you that, I can't pronounce her first name, Majorie Tyrell, the Marjorie. actress Natalie. Oh, okay. If Natalie Dormer, if you know that she plays a key role in the beginning of Rush, will that inspire you to go watch the movie? I might see Rush, to be honest. Like, I haven't even seen Knives Out yet, which had, like, a universally positive approval rating of movies that came out last year. So I have a lot of movies that I have to get to. Yeah, you should see Knives Out first. Rush yeah. has some beautiful women in it, though. <laughs>
Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one there, of the there are beautiful women available elsewhere, uh, such as uh, in my bedroom with my wife. So good save there. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, I was about to say the internet, and then I quickly uh, reversed course. But then I ruined it we, by admitting this. So we will revisit where Alex finds his beautiful woman. Hopefully, when we get to the next match. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting about Rush was that, like, I've always like in my head thought that it's so silly. Car racers get treated as athletes when, like, the real athlete is the car. Like, that's the thing that's actually driving fast. This movie really like does a good job of exploring that dichotomy. One of them is this brash, I want to go fast racer. And the other one is much more into getting the car perfect. I had seen a bunch of the other car racing movies because Will and I had discussed them. Rush really just takes the same two themes and hits you over the head way too many times. The two themes of Rush are these guys can die. What they're doing is dangerous and they drive each other to perform better. I think the second of those two themes is, is done really beautifully, but like I only need to be told so many times, these guys can die. This is a dangerous sport. This is a dangerous sport. I mean, yeah. all car racing movies love to drum that message home. Ron Howard did it a bit too much, but the movie is so beautiful. It's so watchable. Slapshot, it's more classic than a watchable, enjoyable movie. The way it takes sports to task, it has so many sort of scenes that stand out almost in a Caddyshack-like sense. These incredibly funny, bizarre scenes. I mean, the ending of Slapshot Up, I don't know if you remember, when the guy just starts stripping off his yeah, clothes. Yeah, he, he gets naked in the middle of the ice, yeah. People love Slapshot for its character actors, for Newman, who gives one of the best roles, I think, of his career. I mean, he's just really good. As a movie as a whole, it doesn't hold up. At times, you're not very engaged. So I, I would agree with you. I think it's a shame we're going to have to say goodbye. But uh, you know what happens to Alexander at the very end of Slapshot? So Slapshot is set in some sort of third-rate town in the 70s in Pennsylvania. They're like C-level professional hockey team. And at the very end, I think the team gets sold. Everyone basically moves to Minnesota to play hockey. Classic end. I remember loving Slapshot, but I don't remember how it ends. So it is basically where everyone goes because they want to go to the, the Golden Medina of hockey. Appropriate for the Bombay region. We have Moneyball against Rush. I'll vote for Moneyball here. I don't think it's particularly close. Even though I, I did like Rush, I think Moneyball is close to a perfect movie. Despite all the, the bad things I said about it on the last one, seeing it again and trying to focus on the movie and like not worry about like what's real and what's made up to the extent that you're able to do that, I think really elevates it to another level. It's just like so perfectly constructed and the writing is so great. I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan, so I guess I'm a little bit biased there. Brad Pitt, he's just so very physical in this movie and charming. I love him in this and I think it's really become like one of the best sports movies and I'll definitely vote for that over Rush. We can usher Moneyball into the round of 16. Rush is a little too formulaic, which again, sports movies are by design formulaic, but you can tell at points that Ron Howard seems to be keeping things tame. And I think Moneyball, it's bolder. It's, it's more dynamic. It's more engaging. It's a sports movie where like 90% of the movie is just people hanging out and talking to each other. And it's still somehow so good. It's really like a miracle almost. But that's an Aaron Sorkin movie. But like that's still, that doesn't make it less impressive. The fact that that's his gift is just like writing very dynamic scenes of people of dialogue. Take that and make really effective sports movie on that. It's not something that I would have just taken for granted. So if you like movies where people are mainly sitting and talking to each other or walking around talking to each other, then wait until you see our next matchup. That's going to be number seven uncut gems came out, what, a month and a half ago, two months ago. And of course, it's a basketball movie. And it's going up against number 10, Happy Gilmer, 1996 golf classic. Of course, this is the Adam Sandler face-off, but I guess it was a matchup that had to happen. Uncut Gems, the Adam Sandler of today versus Happy Gilmore, the Adam Sandler of yesterday. Yeah, this is a really, really hard one. There's a reason that when a player retires, he has to wait five years before he can become eligible for the Hall of Fame. And like the Hockey Hall of Fame waves it for guys like Wayne Gretzky and Marilyn Mew, and that's kind of dumb. Like you have to let things simmer and stew 
Uncut Gems didn't, it wasn't even a twinkle in, well, I guess it was a twinkle in the Safety Brothers' eyes, but it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even something that any of us were aware of when this tournament started. And yet here it is trying to make a deep run into the tournament. It's tough. It needs time to age and to simmer. Like I've been loving Happy Gilmore for most of my life. And I really liked Uncut Gems, but two months ago, I didn't know what Uncut Gems, or three months ago, I didn't know what Uncut Gems was. This is a really tough one. I do love that it's Sandler against Sandler because it's such dramatically different versions of him. You know, I would like to see Uncut Gems go farther into this tournament. Also, it's not a basketball movie. It's a sports gambling movie, which is obviously like a, a subcategory. That's, that but that's but part I mean, of the sports yeah. experience. It's yeah, part yeah. of the sports experience. What I'm saying is I, I would compare it to other gambling movies, not other movies about basketball. I, if you, well, I think it's also more of just like a sports fandom movie that like it just like really puts you in the shoes of like what it is to be like a very intense sports yeah. fan. And like this and feel- Big Fan, I think. Big Fan was in your bracket, right? It lost out on the plane. Yeah, it, okay, didn't make, got it. it didn't make headway. You really have, or at least I did, had like that feeling while you watch this movie that just that like pit in your stomach that you have when it's four minutes left in a game that you, you really care about. Your heart is racing. You don't want to look, but you can't look away. It did a really great job of that. Can I ask the question, the expression French Netflix, is that a euphemism that Sammy slash this podcast made up or is that a, is that a thing? So the origin of it, and I, I think we're going we're to cut this out, but the origin of it is that a few moments later. The reason I ask is because I think I saw Uncut Gems from French Netflix uh, via Av. Is that correct, Av? Yes. And the version that you sent me, it looked almost like it was filmed by that guy in Seinfeld who films a movie, but it was so jittery, it exacerbated the stress level of the movie, which I thought if, if it wasn't intentional, then it sort of yeah. served its purpose. They shot the movie on a handheld and it's supposed to like move like that to give it more of a documentary okay. right. so, feel. So I, I thought that I was Okay. All right. Got it. I really liked Uncut Gems. I would like to see it go further, but I'm going to vote for Happy Gilmore because again, I've, I've had a 25 year history. You know, Happy Gilmore is Joe Biden and Uncut Gems is Pete Buttigieg. And I like uh, Uncut Gems and I, I donated Pete Buttigieg last year. I have a longer history with Happy Gilmore and I, I trust it. It might be getting on in years and not always know where it is, but uh, I have a longer history with it. I rewatched Happy Gilmore uh, a couple days ago for this, and I was amazed at how well it, it held up. The comedy is still really funny in it. I laughed a lot. It's just like really entertaining. It's, I think that's for sure Peak Sandler. I think that's a better movie than Billy Madison. Good uh, of the movies from that era. So good. The Bob Barker cameo is amazing. Like I, don't, I still don't understand how that ever happens. They had told him we can get a stunt double to do the fight scenes. He's like, no way. He's like, I'm a veteran. I'm not pulling punches. And Adam Sandler, I think he like broke his jaw when he was punching him. I think Bob Barker's exact words when he was told that was, I eat shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you eat exactly. shit for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to vote for Happy Gilmore. I really was a fan of Uncut Gems. I liked it a lot. But I think Happy Gilmore, A, is just, it stood the test of time the way Alex has said. It's more of a sports movie and a better sports movie. Like there are certainly sports elements to Uncut Gems, but Happy Gilmore is just like a pure sports movie and it's really a great one. Alexander, had KG had been a lifelong Timberwolves player and oh, won if, a championship if, with the Timberwolves. So this, would, that, have, Timberwolves. would that have biased you? If that was a movie about the Minnesota Timberwolves winning a championship, obviously you would be voting for that. Well, they don't win the championship the year of the movie, right? Oh, right. Whatever, the, right. They win the playoff series, right. If KG was just a little bit more near and dear to your heart. Well, look, and, little big league, obviously the fact that it was about the Twins made me like it much more as a kid. Right, yeah, than, I, than I would have otherwise. And Rookie of the Year, I liked less because they beat the Mets. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> KG is already my favorite athlete of all time. Him having gone to Boston doesn't lessen that at all. You know, I cried tears of joy when he won his title in Boston in 2008. So, no, oh, okay. definitely lessens that. If he had stayed a lifelong Minnesota player and brought a championship to the Timberwolves, you're saying that wouldn't have added to your... Well, I know I've discussed this on other podcasts for sure, but if Sam Cassell doesn't get injured in the Western Conference Finals in 2004, they probably win the title that year. He stays in Minnesota much like Dirk does, even as the team struggles in the later years of his career. But also, I'm not married to my wife and I don't have 
your uh, your three and a half nephews. So, you know, in that alternate universe, you know, maybe I'm single and I have a lot more time to watch movies. And so I've seen Tin Cup and John McEnroe in the Rumble Perfection. But maybe do I vote for Uncut Gems over Happy Gilmore there? No, I still say no, because Happy Gilmore, again, it's been in my life for 25 years. And if I was a single guy, I'd have a lot more time to sit at home and watch movies from the 90s than I do. Yeah, I, I, if you're a single guy, don't spend your time watching Tin Cup. <laughs> <laughs> there you it's, go. it's my only chance of seeing true love. There you go. Shooter McGavin with, for with the Ray, win. Ray Russo. Or Irene Russo, as I'm surprised she wasn't called. There are names I've, I've learned just to avoid, and hers is one of them. I saw this listing Kim of Basinger? The, Bassinger? Family guy reference, by the way. Rancor? Rancor? Uh, yes, that's a curb reference. I saw a listing of uh, actors and actresses that have been in the most sports movies, and clearly, again, it's one of those dumb lists like Alex you mentioned earlier. But putting that aside, she apparently, Renee Russo, is actress that has been in the most sports movies. I think in all of them, she's been the- The wet blanket mother- girlfriend, as Bill Simmons it, says. Exactly. Dennis Quaid, in case you're interesting, has been in the most. Dennis Quaid, of course, is just Kevin Costner, a knockoff. Brian Song, the last first round of the Bombay region, is our number two seed. It was the number one ranked football movie entering this tournament. Came out in 1971. It was a straight-to-TV that was got such adoration on coming out that it was later released briefly in theaters. And it's going up against number 15, Creed, the sequel of sequel of sequels to Rocky, which came out in 2015, brings Rocky, I guess, into the next generation. Brian Song, Creed. I thought Creed was very overrated. I wasn't sure why it was so celebrated when it was. I mean, I understand why it made a lot of money, but I don't understand why it was sort of critically loved by, by things like a lot of people. But Brian Song, even more so, I thought was sort of maudlin and like corny and very, very dated. So I don't really have a dog in this fight, so I'll see how you two vote. And then if I'm needed, it's a tiebreaker. I'll step in. Fair enough. I like Brian's song. I thought it was just like, it's like a really nice, sweet movie. It's an important story about, like, about Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers and their friendship. There's an element of race relations to it, but it's like almost not because of how little it seemed to have mattered to Gail Sayers, which is obviously a huge testament to him in that time and place that he was able to not even care about that and form this lifelong friendship with this guy who was a direct competitor for, for snaps and for touches in, in the Bears' backfield. It's like a really nice, warm family movie. Definitely something that is worth showing your kids. I am one of the people that loves Creed, so Alex can, can at me if you'd like. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, boxing movies in terms of like the staging of the boxing scenes. The fight in the middle of the movie where he fights, I think it's his first like real fight where he's like on his tour toward fighting for the for the title. He fights a guy named uh, Leo, I don't remember his last name. This two round scene that's shot as like one continuous shot, five or six minutes, where like he's like getting pummeled in the first round and then like he goes and sits on the chair and Rocky like gives him a pep talk and tells him what to do and then he knocks the guy out. Incredible filmmaking. This is probably Sylvester Stallone's best performance in any of the Rocky movies. He's just like so muted. It's a very different Stallone than we've become used to over the last 30, 40 years. Michael B. Jordan is one of my favorite actors and he's incredible in this. In my opinion, Creed is the best of all the Rocky movies. Stallone returns to how muted he was in the very first movie because he's very muted in the original Rocky. Yeah, that's true. He, just, he mouses along Philadelphia sort of just muttering and uh, you know trying to love up uh, Adrian. But in the and, first and- one, it's acting and in the last one, it's probably partially dementia now. You spend a lifetime getting punched in the head like that, you know, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I have two things to say about how much you like the fighting in Creed. One is that I love how you say a one long take of two rounds of boxing got you so excited, and yet you're also someone who has no interest in watching actual boxing. Which, in fairness, because you know actual boxing isn't as exciting as the way it's portrayed in the movie. I watched one boxing match in my life, 
and there was a hundred times more punches hit in this two rounds of Creed than there was in that entire match. The one match I saw was they kind of just bob at each other and then like one guy like pretends to throw a punch and he knocks it away and then like it, I found it, whenever I watch boxing, I find it to be really boring and like nothing happens, but maybe I'm watching the wrong stuff. When Creed went against Rocky in our boxing bracket, if you had stressed comparing the fighting scenes, the boxing scenes in each movie, you might have won me over and I would have voted for Creed and it would not have entered this tournament as the bottom ranked boxing movie. But uh, you didn't emphasize that at the time. So my vote uh, didn't go for Creed and my vote's not gonna go for Creed again. And here's why. Creed is a very watchable movie. This is a movie that you will enjoy. The lead is great. Stallone is finally what he needs to be in a Rocky movie. It checks off all the boxes, but it doesn't, it doesn't bring me anything extra. Like there's nothing extra that I get from it. And Brian's song, Av, you actually gave it the best defense, I, you know, the best case. It is a modest movie that wears its heart on its sleeve. For what it is, I think it's a perfect movie in that it's incredibly modest and it doesn't have an off note. I mean, for what it's trying to be. And I love like just the little silly things. I love how they play. And we mentioned this when we discussed it on the football podcast and I gave a shout out to my brother then, but now that he's here, uh, Alex, in Brian's song, I don't know if you remember, when they're in the hospital, they play this football board game, old 70s or I guess 60s, uh, yeah. 50s. We had a game like that as kids, you know? That was for dads. The game we had from him, I'd, I remember that you used a deck of cards to decide what play it would be. This game was sort of more like uh, spin the guys around. Yeah. The football board game being there, the way that they're all shown eating pizza, which I had to sort of Google after the fact and find out that apparently Brian, the football player, loved pizza. And so it plays a prominent role in Gail Sayers' autobiography, which the movie is based on. Those like little notes, they're, they're sweet and they're real. And the movie, yeah, it's sappy, but it's sappy because this is the story they're telling. And it's a true story. So uh, I'm going to go for Brian's song and we're going to throw it back to you, Alex, to choose between our two and our 15. I'll say Creed. It's, it's more watchable, I think, at this point. Brian's song, just very dated. It definitely is dated. I mean, it, it has like a very ABC family movie to it it is worth seeing it's like i i really think it's like a it's a nice movie to watch like on a sunday with your kids if you have i've like, always been i've always also been annoyed that gail sayers is so ridiculously overrated <laughs> sorry gail as opposed to brian piccolo he was on the nfl 100 team he's a hall of famer like his he had one great season and then he was an okay player for three years and then his career was over he, he was dynamic yeah. in the field but his performance on the field was was very limited you're someone who's openly says that you're more into stats and numbers and less into what it looked like to watch them play. And what people always say about Gale Sayers is what it was to watch him play in his prime was just something that like you never saw in how yeah. fluid he yes, was on the field fair. and everything Correct. else. That makes an impression on people. That of course, his story, this movie and the story behind this movie. And together that's kind of a, you know, it's a pretty strong case. Billy D. Williams is the lead in Brian's song, we should say, because uh, people know him mainly from Star Wars. Yeah, I'm a fan of yeah, Billy he, Not the same person as Carl Leathers. <laughs> that, is a, that is important to point out. Next round, Happy Gilmore was the number 10 seed. Creed was the number 15 seed. Both of them had big upsets. I'm definitely voting for Happy Gilmore here. This is really, really close. Uh, this is a tough one. Last matchup. So it Yeah, be. this is a really tough one. I think I'm going to vote for Creed. I really love Happy Gilmore, but I really love Creed so much. Such a a great modern sports movie. That scene where they like they come out for the big fight with like the hip hop music and as I said before, like choreography of the boxing scenes. Like, so I guess they're not realistic is what you're telling me, but I just found them to be just like so impactful, like so visceral. So yeah, I'm gonna vote for Creed, but it's a really close one for me because I love Happy Gilmore. Creed makes you appreciate Michael B. Jordan so much. I haven't seen Fruitvale Station he was also in. That's gonna crush you. 
so, so I haven't had a chance to see that yet, but I thought- He was on a TV show on HBO when he was younger. I don't know if you've ever seen it, The Wire. But right? that I mean, joke. that's why, to be able to see oh, Michael B. Jordan in his career, when you see him in Creed and then you imagine him as that little nerdy kid in The Wire. He's also in Friday Night Lights, which is a great tie You just, here. you never would have guessed that he would have been the one from those kids, from the corner kids who would have, you know, become the big star. I would have yeah, thought Bodie yeah. would have Bodie been. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bodie had, because he has like so much charisma in the wire. Yeah. Wallace is just like so quiet and unsure of himself. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Michael B. Jordan is such a good actor. My vote's going to have to go though for Happy Gilmore. I, I voted against Creed the first time. I like it, but Gilmore squeaked into the tournament and now has a set place in the Sweet 16. So to a Cinderella down, story. Yeah, a Cinderella story so far. Adam Sandler was denied in 2019 but he may not be denied in the Tournament of Champions. What do we have? Happy Gilmore, Moneyball, Hoop Dreams, fourth movie is Chariots of Fire. So we had chalk in the top half of the Bombay region, but not in the bottom where the number 11 Moneyball and the number 10 Happy Gilmore advanced. We will have to wait until we discuss the Sweet 16 later this month to see which one of those movies, along with the other 48 movies, see who advances. Alexander, any last thoughts on sports movies before we say goodbye? No, I think honestly the four movies that are coming out of this, uh, this region of 16 and making it to the Sweet 16 are all, you know, very good movies and I'm, I'm pleased with what we did here. Which one of these four would you say I could see that going all the way, being number one? Hoop Dreams, Chariots, Moneyball, and Happy Gilmore. <sighs> I think that the Moneyball-Happy Gilmore matchup is going to be the much tougher one. I think the winner of that is going to definitely go to the final four. Interesting. Okay, well, we will see. You have an invitation to join us for the Sweet 16, but we'll see how that hashes out. We have a few other guests lined up. Before we go, though, we're going to do a quick new little segment neither of you know about. It's called Chester Corner. Some of our listeners have been looking forward to this for a long time. So how this is going to work is I'm going to um, talk about some stuff that Alex has told me over the years or over the last few months, and Sammy is going to either confirm or deny some of these. Since uh, Sammy, I don't know if you would say this is accurate, but your brother has a tendency, I think, maybe to embellish stories. I think he gets that a bit from one side of our family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what percentage of his stories do you think are actually true? Like he, he seems to like have a lot of like run-ins with celebrities that like don't make any sense, and you know, he just have like great conclusions to them. Wait, which one is I, a great conclusion? I don't know. Whatever. Just like very unlikely stories that seem to happen. To me, ever, one. <laughs> ever since my, my brother has this incredible story, I don't know if he's told it publicly, where he, I don't know what it is, like belly dancing with some large- A few moments later. Philadelphia. Ever since he validated the accuracy of that story to me, because I think there's a photo somewhere. Yeah, this all has to be edited out, but yeah. I tend to believe uh, his stories. No, you have photos from that, no? Yeah, the night of a thousand pounds, but this again has to all be edited out, so. <laughs> okay, we'll edit okay. out that, we'll edit out that part. Okay, but one thing in specific, he, he has told me that he has this like pathology where he's unable to allow food that has been uneaten to remain on, his, on anyone's plate. And that like he will, if like he's at a, a meal with like 10 other people, people like deliver their plates back into the kitchen with food still on them, he will eat everything off everybody's plate rather than throw into the garbage. Is this something you have seen? Not only is that obviously true, but I'm almost the same. The hardest part for me becoming vegetarian, and it was painful, was that when I was in college, I subsisted mainly on Shabbat leftovers because they would hire, they would get tons of kosher Sa food. Sammy's a mooch extraordinaire, Rob. You have to understand that. So he's the wrong one to it ask. Was, and it was painful. It was painful for me to throw out the chicken because pretty much myself, and then eventually I conned my Jewish roommate to join me as well. 
no one else was touching this food. And I had just become vegetarian at the time. It certainly runs in our family, or at least in between the two of us. That is obviously true. For listeners of only this podcast, I'll give teases. I think my best celebrity run-ins that maybe Alvin was referencing is one, and it's a basketball-themed when I sat next to Julia Stiles for a basketball game for an hour and a half, but I didn't say anything to her, so not a good ending. All and right. then two is when I uh, repeatedly told uh, possible future President Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden, that he wasn't a senator yet until the upcoming election, even though he had been a senator for 30 years at that point. <laughs> Oh, so, very good. Yeah, those are probably my two best ones. I believe you had your, your Facebook profile pick was you and Barack Obama for quite some time. I think I said, I'm looking forward to, to working on your, next, on your presidential campaign, I think is what I said to him. And he said, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> um, that, that was when he was a new senator. Along the lines of the first one, the not throwing out food, this past Saturday, we had one couple over for lunch. And, you know, who we only met a few months ago, but we become pretty close friends with. The wife walked into the kitchen as we were cleaning up and she saw me like scarfing down rice from a plate that wasn't mine. <laughs> And she said to me, she said, you know, that's not your plate, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's not from your family. I said to her, in very Larry David-esque, I said, problem? She said, no, as long as you're comfortable, I'm comfortable. So I said, yeah. So. Yeah, so we, we might want to maybe uh, when Dr. Jen does the special episode on how to avoid the coronavirus, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get into whether you should be eating food off strangers' plates. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a tough one for me yeah, to uh, give up that. If we want to do more Chester Corner. I would like to discuss things that happened on our trip to, uh, to East Asia, my only trip to East Asia. <laughs> There's a time and a place for everything. But uh, my brother, I mean, uh, my brother refuses to recognize the concept, which I think is the bedrock concept of a bachelor party, that uh, what happens at a bachelor party stays at a bachelor party. He doesn't understand that, like, that is the very premise on which you do a bachelor party. I think and, that's uh, only if they're in Vegas. If you go anywhere yeah. else, all bets are off. Uh, Sammy's, Sammy's vision of bachelor parties is made, made up exclusively from film, though. So he takes things very literally. Ah, okay. Fair, fair enough. Well, this is a film podcast, so uh, maybe there will be a chance Good to, way to tie that. it back, yeah. But yeah, you might have missed the movies that came out in 2019, which would have uh, supported that narrative. Alexander, where can listeners find you? And uh, what are you doing in the pop culture podcast sphere? of late that might interest people. It is bracket season, uh, not just on your podcast. So in 32 fans, uh, by the time you're hearing this, you will, uh, we will have released the first episode of our 64 character bracket to determine the greatest character ever from the Seinfeld television show. That's wow. happening in 32 fans. Oh, that's exciting. In the 32 fans patron side of things, I think this week we are releasing also for bracket season, the, uh, the final episode uh, episode seven or whatever it is uh the the sweet 16 and final uh three rounds thereafter of the best song of the 90s tournament and then uh not a tournament or a bracket but av and i continue to uh do our curb your enthusiasm rewatch in pretty 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 good a curb your enthusiasm podcast and we've done uh, the first five episodes of season one so far where can people find you search in podcast apps for 32 fans or pretty 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 good or i'm on twitter at hester 99 when i was getting other guests to join I said, oh, you know, the Bombay region is not available because our producer will already be joining us for that region. Producer of the show. Yeah, hopefully we can get uh, Shy Chester or Haley Chester on for the Miyagi region. Shy has participated. He was the first Chester. Well, he sent an audio file, right? Yes, he sent an audio yeah. about uh, Midsummer was his favorite movie of 2019. Yeah. yeah. Unsurprising. Bob has we'll... a very favorable impression of him already. We're looking for full Chester participation in 2020. Speak to you soon. I'm sure you guys got some perfect kind of fun. Somehow we are still failing. To effectively articulate the points at hand Allow us now to summarize them in a manner that your feeble brains can understand We're great, We're great. and you suck We're great, We're great. and you suck We're great, We're great. and you suck
your feet are far, and then there's you, you suck.